This is the Wellsprings Word. Good afternoon, everybody. Ah, coming to you from Casper here. This is Walt. I just wanted to share with you a, um, a little thing. What we're going to do is um, we have our weekly podcast that we put up that's taken out of our service. Um, we're doing our book study on the book of Revelation um, as we start out 2023, and so that's going to be exciting. That's going to be fun. But what the Lord's put in my heart is to put some podcast-only content up that's uh, additional teaching, stuff that's shorter, more concise on different topics that you can kind of grab in the middle of your week, get a little soul food in, um, maybe about a different topic. And because it's shorter, um, easier to access, you know. Um, And so that's what we're going to do. And so this first one, I want to talk to you about the ideas of sincerity and identity. Sincerity and identity. Now, there's a lot of talk out in our culture right now about identity and how do people identify and all of that. That's not actually really my focus today when I'm talking about identity. I'm just dealing more with the idea of just authenticity, right? And so that's why I I hooked the two together, sincerity and identity. And the reason why is because when you arrive at moments of complete sincerity, complete fidelity within your own life, who you are, when you're authentically you, it reveals your identity. Now, identity not in a theoretical sense, uh, like, for example, um, some faith teachers and preachers uh, take the scripture and they really hammer away at this idea of us being transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can have our identity in Christ. Um, some of that's awesome. Some of it goes a little bit too far. But that's not even what I'm actually talking about either. Neither am I going into, like I say, the political, cultural thing that's happening. I'm just talking about you as a person. When you are being sincere, you are revealing to the people around you your identity, your legitimate, authentic likes, dislikes, desires, appetites, etc. So who we really are when we're being authentic is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about identity. And so I want you to consider that in those moments when you are completely sincere, the other person is dealing with the real you. They are encountering your actual identity, how you see yourself, what you value, etc. So the problem that we have in our society is if our identity, who we are when when we are sincere and authentic, is when our identity does not match our affiliation. What do I mean by that? Well, some group that we want to belong to or some part of the culture that we want to connect with, if we've affiliated ourselves with a group that requires us to be insincere, if we've affiliated ourselves with some people or some a group of friends or a, a community of some sort of activity, however you want to look at that and however you want to frame it, If I can't really be me and belong to it, now I have a problem. Now I have a tension. And if I find that the affiliation is more important to me than my identity, what I will do is be insincere and unauthentic, right? So that I can maintain this 
quasi-unity with that group, if that's making sense. So I, I came up with a really simple example because all of that sounds fine, sincerity, identity, um, affiliation, all of that stuff. So this is a really kind of just very bare bones and almost comical, I hope, example of what I'm talking about. So you have a, a group of friends that say you want to you wanna run with, you, you like them, you enjoy being around them, and they're beer drinkers. The problem is when you're truly authentically honest with yourself and sincere, you really don't like beer. Now, you knew it the first time you ever took a sip of beer. You just don't like it. But you want to run with this group of people, and they're constantly sticking a beer in your face. So if the group's important to you, you just kind of go along with it so you can continue to connect with that group of people, right? Some people will say stuff like, well, I'll develop a taste for it. Or they'll look back on this and say, I kind of developed a taste for it. I, I didn't really like it when I first tried it. But now that I've had three or 400 cans over the last five years, um, yeah, now I kind of like it. Years later, though, if we're being authentic and real and honest, maybe you still don't like beer at all. You've just learned to live with it and pretend Somebody hands you a bottle of beer and you're like, yeah, cool, you know, let's toast to the weekend, whatever. And really, if you were being honest, if you were at a store and you could have anything you wanted in the store for free, you would not even consider picking up beer. It's not your thing. And yet the people that you're running with probably don't really know because you've been pretending. You've been insincere. What you actually like is not the beer. What you like is the community right? You value the group enough to be insincere about how you feel about the beer. Now, I understand uh, that rhymes a little bit when I say it to myself now. Um, yeah, you are valuing the community enough to be insincere about how you feel about the beer. That kind of probably could be a t-shirt. But anyways, you are willing to lay aside your own authenticity in order to fit in. It's just not worth the risk that you'd be rejected by the group. So you just go along with it. You, It's, you know, no harm, no foul. Nobody's being hurt. Nobody's being damaged. I'll just keep pretending. Now, the reason why we pretend, the reason why we do these things, even in subtle or pretty casual areas, the reason we do it really kind of matters. And I'm going to share a scripture with you in a minute and wrap this up. And I think you'll see something that maybe you can just be conscious of. So why do we pretend? Why do not? Why would you not just stand up in the middle of your buddies and say, hey, look, I like hanging out and shooting pool with you guys, but I hate beer. I'm not drinking it, right? Why you don't do that is that you value the group and you don't know, hear this, you don't know if the group values you enough to accept you if you're not pretending to like what they like, right? This is the psychological construct. Well, maybe they won't want to hang out with me anymore if I don't drink beer. Maybe they'll stop inviting me out on the weekend. Maybe we'll stop having fun together. If they don't think I like what they like, maybe I'll be rejected. Maybe I'll be left out. And you value the group, and it's not hard to pretend you like the beer, and so you just go along with it. And I'm not even going to try to tell you that somehow some great thing is, no, great injustice is being done, a super huge sin that can't be forgiven. 
Don't go too far with me. Just let the example be what it is. You are being insincere and unauthentic in order to get along with a group of people because you value the group more than you value your identity. And so you are willing to be insincere in order to get along with them. Hey, the bottom line is we all value community so greatly that we've probably all done this. Even the most um, kind of strong, self-willed, hey, I don't need anybody. I can do my own thing. I'm captain of my own ship. Even people like that have done it before. So if you realize that you're doing it, understand it's just a dynamic. We value the community. We value the group. We're willing to make sacrifices. And sometimes what we sacrifice is us our sincere, authentic self. We just kind of pretend we go along. It's not really our thing, but we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to risk rejection. And so we just kind of go along with it. Now, why am I talking about all this? Because there's a scripture we're going to read in a minute that this dynamic that is so prevalent in our culture right now, the power of peer pressure, the power of community, the power of group, the ability of a person to just almost completely transform their entire identity in order to connect to a certain group. And we see this in everything from what goes on, say, with uh, with some gangs and some gang violence. We see it with what goes on with different clubs and groups. We see it go on in our school systems with different peer pressures and things that happen. I mean, it's truly remarkable the amount of sway that the opinions of other people can have over us and our willingness to just go ahead and be authentic and say, no, uh, I'm just not into that. I'm just not going to do it. And if that's a problem, it's a problem, but I'm not going to change who I am to hang out with you, right? Now, the reason this matters, and it matters on a ton of different cultural levels, but the reason it matters, I think, in these last hours, spiritually and for the Christian and for the Christian church, and for the house of worship, and the fellowship of the saints, is that our churches, by and large, most growing churches now, are community-driven. What do I mean by that? It's all about attracting people to the community, because we've been able to identify people are looking for community. People are wanting that connection. People are wanting that group to belong to. And so if you hang around in growing church circles, that's even all the catchphrase and the buzzwords right now is everything to do with that community, connection, um, learning how to get a small group together so that you can have those connections and blah, 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 on and on and on. And it's all fine and I'm not criticizing any of it, but I'm saying that the psychological construct that will cause me to be insincere to belong to a group, that should really matter. That should be on our radar as Christians, as pastors and leaders, but just as Christians, just as Christian people who want to reach others. We want to see our churches grow. We want to see our families come to church and come to Christ and all of that. We really need to be aware of this dynamic that people can value the group and the community enough to be insincere unauthentic about what the group is about but they want the group so they pretend so in the same way that a person can pretend to like beer to get along with some beer drinking friends we must deal with the fact that you could have a dynamic 
awesome, encouraging, positive, loving environment, a community. Believers are the salt man. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And we can have a community that's so life-giving and so encouraging and so hope-filling. And a person can come around and go, I love it here. I love these people. They make me feel good. I like spending time here. And they could value our communities enough, my friends, hear me out. They can value our communities enough to actually secretly be insincere in their heart about the thing our community is about, which is Jesus. So what would that look like? This would be a person who loves the community of faith, But if they were forced to be honest down deep, they don't love Jesus. They just love the community. If they were to sit in an authentic contact with their own heart, they don't actually love him. If they were being honest, they don't actually understand why others love him. But it's not worth the risk of the rejection of the group and so to get along and be part of the community they pretend. They go through the motions. What you like is the community, not really Jesus. And so you smile during the Bible studies. They bow their heads and close their eyes when we pray. They stand somewhere in there if there's worship, and they sing along, and they read the words off the screen, but they aren't really connected to it. They're not really sincerely seeking sometimes or even sincerely loving Jesus sometimes, but they are loving the group. They're loving the dynamic of the group, and so they're there, but they're pretending. What they actually value is the group, and they value the group enough to be insincere about how they feel about Jesus. Nobody's going to stand up valuing the group and go, hey, I hope nobody's bothered by this, but I've been listening to this gospel thing for a while, and I really don't believe it. I really don't understand it. I really don't accept it, but I like all of you, so can I hang out here with you even though I actually don't love this Jesus you keep talking about? Nobody's going to do that because they value the group. So they just play along, they pretend, they go through the motions, the Bible study, the we're having a few verses before we have fellowship, they just go along, they're just trying to fit in, they're willing to be insincere and unauthentic in order to fit in with the Jesus people, so they wind up being a group of people who are pretending right? They're going through the motions. They're pretending. They're not sincerely in love with Jesus. They don't sincerely hate their sin. They haven't sincerely repented of their sin. They haven't sincerely come to a faith that's caused them to truly be born again and pass from darkness to light and from death to life. They haven't had that. And I think in the background, as we watch some of these folks, we even know something's kind of missing but we're so reticent now to be judgmental. We're so, uh, we're so reluctant to, to dare say anything about it that we let them pretend because we like the group and the group's growing and these people are pretending and I think they might be pretending, but I'm not going to say that and they're not going to say it. And so we have a group running along together, a community that is about Jesus but without all of the people being sincerely connected to Jesus. Their connection is the group, 
Their connection is to the church and not to the Christ of the church. Okay, now this has a lot of outworkings, and we could talk more about this later, but I want you to read this super scary scripture. Super scary. You can't believe I called it that? Most people who sincerely believe the Bible will tell you that this scripture makes them nervous. But in this context, people pretending in order to belong, I want you to hear the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your, da- in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wow. Think about what just happened. That a whole bunch of people, because Jesus does not say if few will have this problem. He says in verse 22, Matthew 7, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, so they know what to call him. Have we not, now we is important because their identity is the group. Have we not, look what we did in your name. Look at all the stuff we did together in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, singular. You are talking to me about what the group did. But you are not understanding that you and I never knew each other. Personally, I was not your Lord. I was not your Savior. I was the topic at the group. And you played along and you pretended because you wanted to be in the group. And now you're standing in front of me and your identity is the group. Look what we did in your name. But I didn't die for the groups. It's individual. Whoever individually calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. To as many of them as received him individually, I gave the right to become the children of God. In another place, Jesus says, No man, singular, comes to me unless the Father draws him, and I will raise him up, singular, on that day. Each of us must have our own personal life-transforming faith in Jesus. And Jesus just declared himself that on the last day, a lot of people are going to claim identity in our groups, Look what we did. And he's going to say to them, yeah, but I never knew you. Now, that's frightening. We don't want people to be lost at all. And what a tragic thing to consider that they would be lost after having been hanging around with our groups, having been near the gospel but never changed by it, having been around the saints till they know what his name is, but his name is not written upon their hearts. Where they love the group, but they don't love the Jesus who died for every member of the group. Now, I want to encourage you right now to just ponder this. I'm not necessarily trying to make anybody nervous. 
so much as I'm trying to say, let's examine ourselves. If you're listening to this and your identity is to your group, make sure that's not your whole identity. That in the sincerity of your own heart, you have a faith in Christ that's yours. And you have an understanding of Jesus that's personal. And that if there was no group to belong to, you would still follow Jesus every single day of your life, putting your foot in his footprint one step at a time. You would take up your cross and you would follow him all the days of your life if nobody was going with you because you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength because that was the greatest commandment. Man, if you figure out your affiliation is your group, seek after God until you are personally transformed by Jesus. One of the things we've got to come to grips with in this last hour in the American church particularly is a few verses before what we just read. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And I want to tell you what, man. I get that we want everyone we possibly can to be in the kingdom. But we cannot kick wide a gate that Jesus declared was narrow and hard. I watched a guy talking today online about a church. He was talking about the progression of the altar calls over the years. And some of you that are old enough may remember this, and some of you that are younger have no idea what I'm talking about. But, you know, 30 years ago, if you wanted to accept Jesus at the end of a church service, you were called upon to stand up, walk down the aisle in front of everybody, come down front, and make a public declaration. Then we decided that was too hard, so then we just asked everybody to raise their hand. If you raised your hand, then you were supposed to pray. Then we started saying the prayer for you and just having you repeat it. Then we started having the entire group pray so you didn't have to feel like you were being singled out by having to pray. Pretty soon the entire church is repeating mindlessly a quote-unquote sinner's prayer to give a person cover for the fact that they are supposed to be being what? I don't know. It got weird. Tricked almost into this thing with Jesus. But then all of a sudden it went all the way down. I personally sat in a mega church service a while back and they said, sign on the card, fill out the little card and you're born again. Take it to the back table and we've got a book and a coffee cup and some merch and whatever. And that's how you get going in the kingdom of God. And the guy who I was watching today says he was finally at a church where they actually told the people, if you think you need Christ, just text, you know, 25455 to this number, text yes to this number, whatever, and, and, and come into the kingdom of God, text yes to a number. Are you kidding me? This is the same gospel? Not anymore. Not when we're doing it like that. The Bible said, Jesus said, it's in red letters, brothers and sisters. It was Jesus that said, it's a narrow gate and a hard way, and few there are that find it. 
Why? Because it requires dying to me and embracing him. It requires me dying and living for Christ, which is why he said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. I can't do God's will if I'm focused on my own, and I won't do God's will if I'm requiring him to just bless me and help me with my own. No, there's been a perversion of the gospel, and we have to understand it. And our groups, yes, I think our groups should be dynamic and our community should be life-giving and it should be awesome. But in this environment where we now know people are so willing to be insincere in order to belong to a group, they are willing to pretend in order to belong. They are willing to play along in order to belong. When we have that dynamic in our culture, it becomes more and more and more critical that those of us in the church are clearly and consistently putting forth the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm glad you're here, but before you go, make sure you know belonging to this group is not enough. You need Christ as the Lord of your life. Hanging around the church is not enough. You need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. We're going to have to make our gospel presentations clear because if we just keep saying, come and join the group, come and join the group, come and join the group, and leaving that dynamic alone, we are just adding to the numbers that will stand before Jesus and say, but we were part of that group. And what about all the stuff we did in the group? And we will help there be more people who are standing there and having Christ say, yes, but I didn't know you. Sincerity is identity. And if when you're sincere in your heart, you don't love Jesus, it won't matter that you know how to come to church or come to a small group and pretend and play along and get along. It won't matter because in the end of this thing, you're going to stand before the Jesus you don't love, not before a party of your peers who love you. Christ will say, I never knew you. Yeah, you were in the group, and the group did do some really beautiful things in my name, but I didn't know you. Don't let that happen to you. And let's not let it happen to people around us if we can help it. Let's show forth the clear, concise gospel of Jesus Christ that when I am properly born again, my sincere self, my authentic self, will be a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to hide things. I'm walking upright in the sunlight and following after the sun. I can sincerely be a follower of Jesus, but I've got to sincerely be sick of my sin and myself in order to get there. And so let's make sure we're not helping people be insincere by our desire to make sure that everyone has a great time in our communities. No, we need to be holding forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. Having big groups won't mean anything if those groups don't actually make it through heaven's door to eternal life in Jesus. 
And so I thank you for listening to this. If it gives you something to think about it, if it gives you something to pray about, if you feel like it stirred your heart about yourself or stirred your heart about somebody that you know, pursue the Lord, man, until you are absolutely a follower of Jesus who happens to belong to a church or a group. But you would serve him whether that group existed or not. We need to be followers of Jesus Christ. So this has been just a a, a nugget in the middle of the week. I hope it blessed you. I hope it challenged you. I hope it encouraged you. And I hope you follow hard after Jesus every single day of your life. God bless. Thanks again for stopping by. If you'd like any more info about us, feel free to swing by wellsprings.church. Have a blessed day.